Hey everyone, we're on the couch today. We got our coffee. We're all bundled up during this rainstorm. Uh, Hannah and I are really excited to kind of take the steering wheel on this week's uh, virtual office hours. Uh, Commissioner is not here today, so instead we have a special guest, Naki from Central Floridians for Public Transit. Woo! <laughs> Go transit. Hi everyone, I'm Naki McMullen, co-chair of Central Floridians for Public Transit, as Lee said, and I'm so glad to be here to talk about the various transit and transportation related obstacles in our community and specifically facing Commissioner Wilson's district. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so I just want to say that first of all, before I started this job, I was in such an environmental niche that I really didn't see how a lot of themes that come across the desk of this office are tied together to the planet, to our mental and emotional health, all these other um, really important things that impact the everyday person, it's all connected. Then I meet Hannah over here, who is a policy-loving, book-reading, awesome human being. <laughs> who has taught me so much about how the human designed world, the built urban design landscapes that we put into our communities have a direct connection to a lot of the things that directly impact our quality of life. And one thing that we are really talking about right now is transportation. I think the first thing people think of when they think of transportation is cars. Do you think that that was intentional and how can we what do we do from this point forward on how to address the stigma of transportation only being connected to cars yeah it was definitely intentional orlando's a newer city it was built after cars became the dominant mode of transportation so it does not have legacy transit systems like the new york subway or chicago elevated trains so it was completely built around cars. And by the time that we realized that having a transportation system built entirely around cars is unsustainable and not great for the overall environment, it was kind of too late to implement it. And the lack of dedicated funding for transit has really held our region back from evolving beyond a car-dominated transportation system. So there's a lot of work to do to remove that stigma. And I think one of the first things we can do is have the conversation and show people that there's options beyond cars that are possible and we need to implement in our community. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that very refreshing to hear because I think, especially during the small amount of time that I've been working in constituent services, I feel like the overwhelming majority of emails that I get are about people frustrated with traffic, car accidents, dangerous intersections, even the timing of certain lights are too slow or too fast. And when we do something like lower a speed limit, the backlash that we get way out in the west of, of um, the county, we're realizing is a side effect of people being so car dependent that they don't want any additional time to add on to their probably already 45 minute drive just to get to their job. Totally. That is a great point about how having a system built entirely around cars actually hurts 
people who drive right. because if, if the system is based entirely around cars, that's your only option, everyone is going to drive, increasing traffic, increasing mm -hmm. safety concerns. If you provided actual viable alternatives to driving, walking, biking, and transit, where you could walk to your local grocery store to get groceries or your local corner store, then that's one less car on the road and you know it decreases traffic for everyone. There's a saying, you're not in traffic, you are traffic. Right. So we really need to make people understand that every car off the road, even if it's not your own car, benefits everyone. And that is why investments in biking, walking, and transit, even if they may initially slow down some commutes in the long term, they will have positive effects for everyone. So let's paint a picture right now where we have two different communities. One community, you've got to wake up super early, get in your car, drive maybe 15, 20 minutes to the main artery road through your community, sit in traffic, maybe try to dodge cars that are going way too fast trying to rush to work. And I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but I'm just explaining my commute into work my 15 minute drive to get from the Maitland area to downtown turns into a, what do they say in Metro Plan Orlando? A nice consistent traffic congestion <laughs> on I-4 that turns into a 35 to 45 minute drive unnecessarily due to I-4. Now let's talk about a different community. Daydream with me here. Take me through your idea of what a connected community would look like when you wake up to go to work. So a connected community, when you wake up to work, you have transportation options. So you might have a car, but you don't feel like driving. You want to work on your presentation before you get in the office. You take a train, you have Wi-Fi, you work on the presentation, you can be productive. Driving is labor. That's why people get paid to do it. Forcing people to work before they get to work you know, stresses a lot of people out. A lot That's of people want to just enjoy a, you know, stress-free commute on SunRail, which is why we need more SunRail service. But in addition, we need much more service like SunRail. Like we need an east-west route. For your district, there is the so-called Orange Blossom Express, which they have been talking about to connect the corridor of 441 from the Poplar to downtown that you could in theory use to provide a reliable commute time because uh, trains, grade separated transit, it doesn't deal with traffic, so it can provide a reliable commute time every day. So mm -hmm. a connected community is one that has transportation options mm -hmm. much beyond the single vehicle occupancy. While the Orange Blossom Express would be a little further north in District 2, I would love to have something on Colonial or something like that that would have that east-west connector. And to me, the connectedness also means a grid system. So if you're coming from Maitland down here, you don't have to take I-4. You could also take, um, you know, 1792 or another road that would be parallel. And then when it disperses traffic, it also makes commute times a little bit better. Right. Great point about the need for an east-west connection. SunRail acts as a north-south connection, but we lack that east-west transit line, which is a big priority of ours in the county in general. We are big advocates for bus rapid transit, which is taking a bus 
and making it act like a train by giving it dedicated lanes, off-board payment, and all these other features like light priority to speed it up and provide the reliability and speed of rail, but of mm -hmm. a fraction of the cost. Mm -hmm. So a bus rapid transit line connecting UCF to the west side of Coe, your district, District 1, would provide way more options that we need to connect people on the east and west sides from the biggest university in the country to downtown. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with that term bus rapid transit, maybe explain the difference between bus rapid transit and normal bus service, and then also how bus rapid transit is similar or could be similar to train service. So yeah, bus rapid transit or BRT as we call it, is a popular option these days. They are launching them in a variety of cities and it's been studied. Uh, it's not implemented at a large level, but downtown Orlando, they have a limo system, which is a smaller BRT system and shows an example of what we want to launch on all major arterial roads. You have bus, rap you have bus lanes, which remove it from traffic, provides the reliability and the speed you need for transit to be competitive with driving, you have off-board payments, so you don't have to deal with people stumbling around their wallets for money. They pay before they board, and then just board and go. You have less uh, stops. You have stations with all sorts of amenities. You have things like Wi-Fi, charging station. You have an overall upgrade of the experience, more similar to SunRail. People that have ridden SunRail have noticed what a better experience is compared to riding links. And we want to bring that experiences to buses and make them attractive to people who have cars but still choose to drive, uh, ride transit. Right. So I will say, since I met both of you brilliant human beings, I have done a little social experiment myself where I've actually kind of started to archive some of my thoughts when I'm commuting in comparison to when I ride with a friend. And what I've noticed is I will do things like skip breakfast because I know I have to hurry up and get in my car. And then I think, well, I could easily grab a little to-go yogurt or something and sit on a train or sit on a bus and just enjoy a meal as I'm going to work. Um, I also noticed that I don't stop to get breakfast or I don't stop to get a coffee or something. That's a missed opportunity to help businesses that are really in need of those types of dollars that I would have spent the money, but because I knew I had to sit holding a steering wheel, staring at just the back of someone's car for 45 minutes, I didn't make that decision. Whereas it is so liberating when a friend drives <laughs> and you don't have to worry about parking, right? And then you're free to just kind of walk around. Maybe you Uber home, but you know, if you have to drive, you can't get more than one drink because you don't want to be too intoxicated to drive. Not that that should be a motivating factor for anyone, but that's just, there's sub subconscious decisions that affect our entire economy. And one of the first things that you said when you started this conversation was that we are holding ourselves back as a community by not investing in transit. What are some other ways that our community could flourish if we invested in these options? 
Yeah, our lack of world-class transit has been holding back Orange County and greater Orlando economically for decades. Right. Uh, large companies, they want to locate in cities with good transit. Orlando only has one Fortune 500 company headquartered here. Our economy is built around low-wage tourism dollars. If we want to diversify our economy for the future and relocate good paying jobs here, we need to invest in great transit that allows us to compete with places like Chicago, Seattle, New York, and the like. Uh, I love your point about how you, if you took transit, you have the option to go visit a local bakery or coffee shop or whatever. Um, so putting more money back in the pockets of consumers benefits local businesses. Right. If people are spending money on their cars, they're spending all their money on gas, especially with gas prices nowadays, that is going to large fossil fuel companies, large national car companies, that is not benefiting the local economy at all. Mm -hmm. So if you provide the option for people to go car free or car light, they don't have to pay for parking, all that money is to be spent in local businesses. Right. So that's the main way it benefits us economically. Now, right now, for those who are relying on transit, transit is limited. It's, it's almost stigmatized because it's so poorly invested in that people almost see taking the bus as a lesser than option. In District 1, we don't even have the option. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things right now because the lack of investment, you see somebody walking on the exposed sidewalk and you know they're not doing that for fun. Right. It's, it's become a socioeconomic class divide. Right. Because exactly. we don't have choice riders on transit. Because if you had the choice at this rate, why would you take it? Right. Because of the lack of investment. I have a friend who lives in Pine Hills and just decided to not go back to school because his commute is like two and a half hours to get to UCF using the bus. He doesn't own a car. And between balancing having to work full time mm -hmm. and have the capacity, heaven forbid you miss the bus or heaven forbid it's late, you could lose your job if you have no other option. So you're right, it almost is dividing the people who are on the lower end of the income level to those who can just afford to continue to not just buy and own a car, but the continued maintenance. Didn't you say that it's about $10,000 a year to maintain your car with gas and oil changes? And yeah, it's between six and $10,000 a year that you can save by getting rid of a car. Now let's talk about including some, depreciation value. Absolutely. Now let's talk about some consequences to not investing in transit or in um, infrastructure. Right now, Orlando and Orange County are on the map as the number one most unsafe pedestrian areas in the entire country because our roads are built by design to be like highways. And I think there's an important um, point to address in that number because everybody says it and somebody once brought up to me, oh, well, that number is flawed because nobody's walking here. And I think that actually even more accurately reflects the problem right. is that nobody wants to walk here and nobody feels safe to walk here. And those that do are taking their life into their hands right. on most roadways and in most of Orange County. 
And so just, just to say that from the get-go, because somebody did tell me once, oh, well, that number is, is moot because the sample size is small. And I think that's even more reflective of the problem. Right. Yeah, completely true. The sample size is small and still so many people are getting killed really illustrates the problem. Mm -hmm. Decades of underinvestment in our infrastructure for a transportation system beyond cars has really caused so many negative consequences. Like uh, your friend from Pine Hills who had to deal with a two and a half hour commute to UCF. I myself, when I went to UCF, had to deal with the same two and a half hour commute. So. Transit is not a viable option in our community to driving. So people, workers, are forced to either have their time stolen and put up with commutes that are regularly two to three hours, or they are often forced to buy a car that they cannot afford, which hurts them financially even worse. So it's like a lose-lose situation. Mm -hmm. um, so we really need to invest in the fast, frequent, convenient service that makes it a viable option to driving. It cuts down commute times in a half mm -hmm. for our transit riders. Uh, like the point you mentioned earlier about mm -hmm. the benefits mm -hmm. of it to everyone. Um, in particular, sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. Uh, can you reply your question about well, some of the benefits, I think, are more so than just investing in, in transit just to have options. I think there's other benefits that can definitely tie into building community, uh, driving more revenue to local businesses, and quite frankly, helping to incentivize uh, people to go to places that they wouldn't normally go within the county. And there, physical safety. There, there are some places that I just, I'll look at an invite and I'll just be like, oh no, that's a 37 minute drive. I'm not going. Mm -hmm. Think of all the friends I could have made or all of the experiences I could have had. But one of my limiting factors was that I didn't want to sit in my car for 37 minutes. Right. You know, and that's a disservice to our community. Yeah. Great point about the added benefits to the community from having these transportation options. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you walk around your community, you typically don't see other people, you see other cars. That prevents you from having the connections with the community. I love your point earlier about when you moved mm -hmm. to Italy for a year mm -hmm. and how everyone walked and everyone knew each other. You had like a real sense of community mm -hmm. and a sense of sol solidarity and had neighborhood connection that people often lack here because everyone's based around cars. Yeah. I, I had an Uber driver who moved here and I asked him how he liked it. He moved here from New York and he's like, where are all the people? He missed the connections of seeing people on his daily activities. Right. right. It's, it's different. That's, that's one of those little things where, you know, when you're biking or walking and you see people on the sidewalk or on the street, you nod. Right. And that that creates a sense of community and a sense of safety, mm -hmm. because when you live in a neighborhood where you know all your neighbors, mm -hmm. you feel safer walking your dog alone at night and things like that. It makes a big difference to just have that infrastructure available and to have people who want to be out, especially in such great weather all the time. It is a disservice that we don't have people walking around all the time because mm -hmm. it's such a fantastic and lovely place to live unless we don't have trees on the sidewalks. So, I mean, 
So the experience that I had in living in Italy, I lived in a couple different communities in Italy and they all had similar design techniques. And I'm really trying to stay away from talking about affordable housing and, and housing access, but we're just gonna tiptoe in that just a little bit. Um, they always had these centers with pocket parks and the main roads would always lead to the center that would have these very connected pedestrian safe areas where cars were not allowed, especially sometimes some of the roads would shut down for cars after a certain time. And so walking was kind of built into the plan, the infrastructure of the community, but then it was also culturally a thing to do with your community. After dinner, we all knew that we were going to clean up after ourselves, go outside and walk. The parents had their own group that they hung out with. We had our own group as youth and even kids, little, little kids would be in the town center and I would say, who's watching the kids? And my host brother would say, the whole community. All the doors would be open. People would walk up and down the main roads and just chat, stop and get a little gelato. And it was like all eyes, all the balconies and all of the, the housing, all of the housing was just incredible. I never really saw any homeless people on the streets begging. It wasn't common and it was very rare. And I lived in several different areas, some of the more populated areas that was definitely something that you would see kind of closer to the airport. But in these communities that were designed to have that connectivity, everyone knew each other. And it was kind of like this um, cultural asset to these communities to have that connectivity. You know, and not to mention, sorry to interrupt you, not to mention taking the bus to get on a train was so common that most of the people that I knew didn't even own a car until they were well into their late 30s. I think that really goes back to what Naki was saying about how, you know, Orlando being a new city, we were built with cars in mind. Many of those cities in Europe that everybody likes to visit, like you were saying, Naki, with the legacy transit, it was the roads are small because they didn't have big wide cars like we do now and they so everybody goes slower now when they do drive in those areas and right. you know everybody's been used to having three story buildings framing the streets so people go slower when they drive now and you know having that built environment that wasn't built around a car and seeing moving people as moving cars it it just changes the whole dynamic because realistically you know, I mean, those places probably weren't master planned like what we have now. And so many of these big planned developments in the county, they weren't necessarily master planned. They just didn't have cars there, right. which ends up being a, a magnetic feature of community and what everybody likes going to Europe for or Savannah. Everybody mm-hmm. likes going to Savannah because it was also built, you know, before cars were really common. Mm-hmm. Great point about how our development patterns provide a serious obstacle to transit and walkability and biking. However, people love to go to places like Europe and Savannah and then come back here and be like, why is our community not fit these design standards? Why is it not walkable? But you don't even have to go to Europe or another state to find a place that's walkable and where transit is an essential part Mm -hmm. of the environment. 
just go to Disney World. Disney World has a great transit system, very walkable. People love walking around Disney Springs. Disney would fall apart without its transit system. Imagine if the 40 million visitors that Disney gets every year tried to drive. Right. It, would, it wouldn't be possible. They have a monorail system. They have buses with bus lanes. They have aerial trams. They have a complete multimodal uh, transportation system that we really need to copy mm -hmm. and provide the options for everyone to remove, remove that stigma. But most of the stigma about riding the bus, taking transit, is because service is so poor that only poor people use it. Right. Right. If service was good and provided a viable option to driving, that stigma would be eliminated. Look at SunRail. There's not typically a SunRail stigma like there is around riding links mm -hmm. because SunRail is fast and convenient. If we brought that ridership experience to links, then more choice riders would ride it. So let's talk about our arch nemesis here, roads. You are educating me so much about mile per mile cost comparisons. Talk a little bit about how much it costs to build a road or add a lane in comparison to add another mile of rail or... Well, roads aren't so bad because buses use roads, but expanding roads is the only means as a solution to traffic right, 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 right. is really ineffective. <laughs> yeah, great point. Uh, you want to talk about induced demand? Yeah. So induced demand is this really interesting concept that actually makes quite a lot of sense. Um, and my friend hit on it the other day while we were talking about this without even realizing. But it's the idea that after a certain um, level of capacity, you add an extra lane. And it's that feeling, you know, where everybody likes driving on the open road until everybody likes driving on the open road. Right. And then everybody's on the road and it's not so open. Right. And so the induced demand is ultimately after a certain um, period of time, I think it really only tends to be like a year or two. You might save three to five minutes for that year or two, but then it clogs right back up. Even even assuming there's not the amount of development that we actually have now, just because people fill up roads because everybody likes driving on that open road feeling. And then what ends up happening as an effect of induced demand, like the commissioner has brought up, is then you end up having a six lane road with a 20 foot wide median and an apartments on one side and the grocery store on the other. And nobody's going to walk across that road in 30 seconds or even one minute, um, especially if they're not, dis especially if they're disabled or young or elderly. Um, Maybe you could run across it as an able-bodied person if you're not carrying the groceries you just picked up, right? So then everybody feeding back into the induced demand gets in their car, drives up the road, makes the U-turn, and gets back into the public. So, I mean, we've all done that. We all know it happens, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's induced demand. Right. Yeah, and because of the concept of induced demand, it means widening roads doesn't actually eliminate congestion. It just delays it. Uh, exactly. To eliminate congestion and really get rid of traffic, the only way is by expanding public transit options because transit is so much more space efficient. A bus can carry 30 people or 40 people compared to most cars, which can only carry four people, and most cars only are, have one person. Right. So, um, so like, but $8 billion, we're spending adding toll lanes to I-4 
right? It's not going to eliminate congestion, and also it only benefits the wealthy people who can afford to pay those tolls. If we took the $8 billion that the state is spending adding lanes I-4, Lexus lanes we call them, mm-hmm. and we could build an entire light rail system that covered the entire county and provided real transportation options. Expanding roads, it doesn't provide any additional options. If you build light rail transit that is grade separated, is frequent, comes every 10 minutes, that would be something that would really benefit the greater public, not just wealthy commuters on the I-4 express lanes. Right. Well, I think something somewhere in history went very wrong. I think many things, but one major thing is having a regional look at growth. I think sometimes we have regional conversations about transit, maybe, but I noticed that when we're approving different developments here, we're not really looking at it in the eyes of a pedestrian or in the eyes of someone who's going to have to rely on transit options. And we're definitely not looking at it from a space where our neighboring counties are also exploding in population to us. We just keep doing these assessments, more assessments, more assessments. It's like we're trying to catch up to putting band-aids on all these problems as the inquiries come pouring in and the people keep getting pissed and more kids keep getting hit by cars. And then we're like, add a lane, add a lane. And we're not looking comprehensively at the regional growth that we know is coming. Because if you put a bus on that road, you are taking cars off the road. I don't know why that hasn't... Because the transit option right now is so bad that nobody can see themselves getting on it. They just see themselves in the car stuck yeah. behind it. Right. And it's it's hard for me to imagine because when I lived in Gainesville at UF, I took the bus every single day and I bought a car to live here and I try my best to never use it because personally driving is just stressful and it's the number one killer of people ages zero to 40 in the U.S. So it just feels like, oh, I risk it. But, but you know, if I can avoid it, which I'm lucky enough, I pay a decent rent with four roommates so that I can have options. Right. It's one of the many sacrifices people have to make in order to have the multimodal options. But for the buses, you know, people, I, I live near a bus stop, but, and I live right off Colonial and it doesn't make sense for me to take the bus to get to work because it'll drop me to the Link Central Station first. And there's only two lines, right, Nucky, at that stop? On Colonial near the public? Yeah. It would so take, I bike. Yeah, it'd take a lot longer in biking. So yeah. right. that's the issue. So let's just t- say you just brought up an awesome point. The top four causes of death. Suicide, cars, accidents, Crashes. heart disease, and diabetes. If we compare our community to other communities that have walkable, bikeable roads like in Europe, the longevity of their people is directly correlated to their built urban design. And I think just being able to, 
even spend 15 minutes walking from your house to a bus station, getting on a bus and then sitting, reading your book on the bus and then working on your work presentation on the train and then walking from the train station to work, it would probably help save lives and combat heart disease and diabetes and connect us to have relationships with each other again instead of this urban sprawl hellscape that we see so frequently throughout Orange County so that we can actually get to know our neighbors and love each other and be connected to each other. Right, because transportation options also means active transportation mm-hmm. right. where you're walking and biking and yeah. you actually get a little bit of exercise because you know realistically none of us really get that hour a day after work to exercise. So having the active option does make a big difference. Yeah. Great point about the health benefits of improved transportation options. There's so many, most people, they drive every day and then they get home from working all day. They don't want to go work out or Mm -hmm. do physical activity. If you incorporate active transportation into your day, it just makes you not only physically healthier, Mm -hmm. but much more mentally healthy Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So there's not only that, but reducing car usage also has a dramatic effect on reducing air pollution right so there is just so many benefits and we could stress. go on and on <laughs> the stress exactly we just go on about the benefits of active transportation so. right yeah because we see just two weeks ago road widenings cutting into the headwaters of the wakaiva removing over three acres of wetlands just so that we can add another lane uh we're seeing urban scrawl that's I mean, you know, I'm an environmentalist, so I can talk about it all day. I can talk about the fact that roadkill isn't even a thought in any way at all when thinking about designing roads. Um, Thank goodness the infrastructure bill even makes mention of animal crossings because it hasn't really even been considered here in Orange County. Um, So there's a lot of other benefits, but how do we pay for it? That is the question of the day. How do we pay for um, expanded transportation options? Right. So uh, there's a variety of the ways. Personally, I think the proposed transportation penny sales tax is the most effective way to fund transportation in our community mm-hmm. beyond just transit, biking, and walking. But you know, we still got to have a multimodal system. It's important to consider cars. We don't want to get rid of cars. We want to provide options where people are not dependent on cars. And because of how our economy is set up, we have so many tourists, obviously. A sales tax would raise the greatest amount of revenue and the majority of it would be paid by tourists. The other funding options would not provide enough money to really transform our system into what we need. So mm-hmm. the penny sales tax, it might cost uh, consumers a little bit in the short term, but in the long term, it would save the vast majority of people thousands of dollars. Like Hannah was saying, how much cars cost annually, six to 10,000. Mm-hmm. But even if a person didn't want to give up their car, they would likely save money by, they wouldn't have to Uber, like you mm-hmm. mentioned. They could get downtown and take transit there, drink as much as they want, took transit back, wouldn't have to pay massive Uber costs. They wouldn't have to pay for parking. 
and they want to run the risk of DUIs, which mm -hmm. are a problem in our community because mm -hmm. people feel obligated to drive drunk because there's no other options right. besides Uber. People could save time because save like you said earlier, you take even if you stay in your car, but two of your neighbors next door to or two of your four neighbors get out of theirs, it still reduces traffic congestion. Right. So where do we go from here? Where we go from here? Uh, so our group, Central Florida is for Public Transit. We're a new group. We just, we started in 2019, went dormant as the pandemic occurred. And then we were reactivated at the start of the year when I became lead organizer and several other new board members were appointed. And right now we're building our coalition and so we're in a coalition with Orlando Bike Coalition and Orlando Yimby advocating for housing, cycling, safe streets, and tr transit because they're all so deeply connected. Like if you don't feel safe to walk to the bus stop, mm -hmm. you're not going to want to take transit. And if you can't afford to live next to the bus stop because of gentrification and displacement, you're not going to take transit either. So we need to provide affordable housing connected by safe streets to frequent transit to really transform our community and our quality of life. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more about Central Floridians for Transit. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or check out our website. We'd love for people watching to sign up for an email list to receive all the latest local transit news. Mm -hmm. And some of the ways we have our roles are we engage the community, we educate the public on the benefits of transit, and try to make them understand why having better transit options would benefit everyone. We represent the riders because riders, so often they lack a voice. People riding transit, they don't have time to show up to community meetings. They're typically poor people of color, so their voices are too often unheard by elected officials. All of our community, our, our coalition, we ride transit. Some of us own cars, but we all take the time to try transit and try sustainable transportation alternatives so we understand the challenges mm -hmm. that our riders are facing. We also act as an informational hub to connect potential riders and current riders with all the relevant service updates and service news. And we also advocate for our specific transit vision what we want to see out of our transit system. Basically, we want to see frequent service on every major corridor. We think buses should come every 15 minutes. Buses should run 24 hours to serve our late night hospitality workers. Yes. So we need a complete overhaul of our system. We need free, frequent service, we need fast service, and we need convenient service that allows you to easily connect between links and SunRail using one fare card. Right. You know, I just you just brought me to a moment where I met a young lady who, this was years ago, I had to go to the hospital and I left really late at night walking to my car and this lady was sitting without any coverage, the rain was coming in and she was sitting by a bus lane and it was way past the point of a bus coming. And I'm walking in my car and I just couldn't let her stand there waiting for a bus. So I asked her if she would come with me and let me drive her home. 
She was super scared to accept that because she was scared I was gonna hurt her or something. But I just remember talking to her in the car and she was talking about how she worked in hospitality and she got hurt and she was taken really, really far away to go to the hospital and had no way of getting home now that the bus was over and she would have been stuck there because she newly moved to Florida and had no options to getting home after 11.30 at night. So, I mean, these stories probably happen everywhere in our community. It's not necessarily that you can't afford it or that you, um, I don't know what, why people put stigmas on transit, honestly, because I feel like if I didn't have transit going to school where I couldn't afford a car when I was in college, I wouldn't have been able to go to college at all. I took the bus every day. It, it opens the door for you to build on your, especially if you're low income, it build on your career and build on your life experiences. If I didn't have that option, I wouldn't have been able to go to college. Same. Same. I, I commuted two and a half hours one way via links and I was grateful for that. So we would love to have you join us and fight for more sustainable transportation options to benefit not only current riders, but to benefit our entire community. Mm -hmm. um, how much time have we got left? Uh, we're closing out. I also want to say, I don't think the board, as far as I know from where everybody lives and how they commute, I don't think the board of county commissioners, any of them ride transit. And yeah. a lot of people in our transportation division, I don't think ride transit from our conversations that we've had. That's an ongoing meme, I think, in the transportation world is uh, a cartoon of somebody going in for a transportation job and like, do you ride the bus? No, you're hired. Right, yeah. exactly, and it's like, wait, but, it, but it's helm. because, you know, it's the chicken or the egg, you know, it's because why would you? At this rate, it's it'll take you forever. Right. But it also puts you further from the challenges that transit riders face. Right. And the last point that I want to make, because we've talked a lot about transit options and, and the decisions that we need to make from this point forward. What I notice is that our long-term transportation plan really shows a lot of expansions of roads, but also new roads that I want to say out loud over and over again will lead to more urban sprawl more congestion, more roads actually equal more congestion. Right, so um, roads lead to more congestion and more urban sprawl. So I just wanna say that over and over again in case anybody out there needs to hear me. Okay, so any closing remarks for people who might not really know how to get involved or where to plug in? If you're interested in reaching out, you can go to our website and contact us at the email there. Um, mm -hmm. We are always receptive to messages on any social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we would love to hear any experiences or questions you have about transit in our community. I love to chat. I'm a huge nerd. I can talk about current transit options and what we need to do to our community to make it a viable option for most people. So. Thank you so much for having me speak about these issues. Uh, thank you for your enlightening talk about uh, induced demand. And thank you for the viewers for taking the time.
Thanks, Nikki. Awesome. And when when is the next opportunity for people to um, communicate their issues with transportation in Orange County? So the uh, county is having ongoing transportation open houses. Uh, the next one is Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, do, for Six District Four. District Four. Do you know the address of that? It is somewhere on Econ Lockhatchee Econ Trail. Econ Rec Center. Recreation Center. There is also a survey the county is doing that allows you to talk about your transportation needs and what you want the county to prioritize. So I encourage you to go fill that out. And I intend, I encourage you to just keep up the conversation that's going on with the county about the transportation funding initiative. Mm -hmm. And overall, just uh, Try, if you have not tried transit in our community, I encourage you to try it at least once so you understand the obstacles that current riders are facing, facing and you understand the challenges of making it better. Awesome. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Thank and you. please check out Central Floridians for Public Transit. Thank you.